Good morning and welcome to the podcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. You know, these days it's easy for us to partner with a spirit of fear. You don't have to turn on the news for very long before you find yourself in a place of of wondering whether or not this world is even going to survive the human conflict we find ourselves in. And all you have to do is be a student of history to recognize that this is nothing new. Jesus predicted this when he said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. But as we look at the conflict going on in the world, let's be mindful that the same Jesus who predicted global national conflicts on a human level also told us in John chapter 16, verse 33, said, these things I've spoken unto you so that in me you may have peace. And the key there is the phrase in me. It is in Christ who is the Prince of Peace. Remember, peace is a person. It's not just the way you feel on the inside when things are going well for you. It's the presence, the awareness, our consciousness of the union we have with Christ. His Spirit dwelling within us causes the peace within us to actually transcend the conflict around us. So he says that in me you may have peace. He speaks his word to us so that in that place of union with Christ, we find the peace in us is a greater power, a greater force, a greater reality than the conflict in the world around us. I pray you're getting an impartation of that peace even right now. Jesus says, in me you may have peace through his word. And then he goes on to predict, in this world you will have trouble. I don't like that. It'd be nice if he would just take all the troubles out of the way. But he doesn't. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let me just quote the whole thing without any commentary. Jesus says, these things I've spoken unto you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, as I've said in many podcasts in the past, sometimes it takes about a dozen times to hear this to really get it soaked into your spirit, though. Jesus uses three different time tenses there. He uses past, present, and future, all wrapped up in one statement. He says, these things I've spoken, in other words, the words I've already said can bring you a present place of peace. These things I've spoken unto you so that in me you may have peace. Right now, present tense, that peace is always available in the now. If you look to the past, you find regret. If you look into the future, you find fear of the unknown or uncertainty. But if you stand in the present and recognize his presence with you right now, it'll shift your perspective and your posture so that you discover that peace is a present reality for the moment that you're standing in. These things I've spoken, past, so that in me you may have peace, present. And then he goes on to talk about the future. In this world, you will have trouble. Future. But be of good cheer in the present, for I have overcome the world. Past. So what is he saying? He's saying the trouble that is in our future is in his past. He already can see every trouble you'll ever go through. And he's equipped you with everything necessary to go through the difficulty, to face the challenge, and emerge victorious on the other side. Now, this 
produces a bit of a conflict in us because we look at that and go, wait, God, why would you let us go through trouble and difficulty? I mean, wouldn't a good father want to rescue their children from difficulty? And that's true. And ultimately, I believe that's what happens. We find ourselves rescued and preserved. Our joy is restored. And every moment of loss and bitterness and suffering and betrayal that we've ever faced in this life is healed within the context of an eternal existence with Christ. But understand this. You and I, let's say like uh, we go to the gym for what? To, To get stronger. How do you get stronger? By staring at the weights? No, you get stronger by encountering resistance. And that resistance does something. It builds within you and I an awareness of the capacity or potential that our bodies have that we have not yet unlocked. And you know, God is desiring to conform us into the image of Christ. That's the construction project of the ages, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And so the Lord is desiring to build within us the character, the nature of Christ so that Christ be formed in us. And he is uh, uh, desiring, I believe, for us to see that what he's placed within us of his image and likeness is is often uh, what comes out when we encounter resistance When we know the Lord, when we know Jesus, not just as the Savior of our soul, but the Lord of our life, then when we encounter problems, we don't go through them alone. We also discover that uh, rather than, uh, it's almost like God is is our spotter in the gym. Like we, we have the weight and we can't take it anymore. And the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but what's common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape so that ye may be able to bear it. In the scriptures, we discover that God does not leave us alone when we encounter difficulties, struggles, trials, and whatnot. And sometimes we find things in our life and think, oh my goodness, this is going to crush me. That's not meant to cause us to turn from the Lord. It's meant to actually cause us to turn to the Lord. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. We think, I, I believe, we many of us think that when we come to Christ, he just removes all the troubles. And, and let's be honest, it's beautiful. He does have a way of causing our lives to actually take on new meaning. It does become better. We find ourselves in, in an awareness of the love, the joy, and the peace of the kingdom of God. But it doesn't exempt us from going through difficulty because we still live this life together, especially with others who haven't surrendered their heart to the Lord. And often it's an unsurrendered heart that brings the trouble into our lives. And those moments of, of, uh, of pain often come from the actions of somebody else. But you know, God has called us to be, um, uh, uh, let's say like this, a living invitation to point to the answer to every problem and every question in this life, and that is Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you're a minister or a missionary or you just work in a cubicle all day or sit at home in front of a computer and and, and whatever your work happens to be. You may not think of yourself as a minister, but your life lived in surrender to the voice of the Lord is meant to become a living invitation for others to know Jesus. 
Uh, it's been attributed to St. Francis, the famous saying, preach always and when necessary, use words. And so our lives are meant not to be a point of salvation where we save anybody. You and I can't save anybody. You know what we can do? We can point people to Jesus. And in point people to, pointing people to Jesus, not just as Savior, but as Lord, we introduce them to the one who who becomes the spotter in the gym to teach us about how to unlock the hidden potential that he's placed within us because we're made in his image and likeness. And I just want to just say that over you today. No matter what you're facing or going through, whether it's a medical emergency or point of suffering in your life or a job difficulty or relational difficulty or marriage issues or, or whatever it happens to be in your life that you're facing a challenge right now, I just want to tell you that God has placed everything in you by his Holy Spirit to overcome whatever difficulty it is that you have. And we do that by leaning on him, casting all of our cares on him for he cares for you. I just love the reality of of the presence of Christ in our life being uh, the fact that we're not alone, we're never left, we're never forsaken uh, because of what Christ has done on the cross, because of the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, the one who saves us single-handedly, wants to guide us through our entire life and into eternity to share eternity with us, to share life with us. You say, well, if he could remove the trouble and he doesn't, does, does, does that mean he's actually good? So here's, I believe, a key to understanding the goodness of God. I mentioned a couple of times already in this podcast, Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Let's differentiate between the two of these things. First off, Jesus as our Savior. Uh, The Bible says that he once and for all put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, when one died for all, therefore all died. Um, We find ourselves in a place of being subject to the power of the atonement just because we're human. For he is, according to John the Baptist, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he's removed the sin issue, in a sense, out of the way. If we still continue to walk in sin, it's only an evidence of a lie that we believe, not just about ourselves, but about God, about Jesus, and about the capability and the power of the cross. We don't believe that he's actually done it or perhaps made us worthy. So many times we choose a lifestyle of sin because we're trying to find ourselves apart from Christ, and that's futility. It's, it's, it's impossible to find your identity apart from a revelation of Christ, a revelation of Jesus, okay? So he is our Savior, and when we say, Jesus, I, I surrender my life to you, then he goes into this place of basically not becoming just our savior. He becomes our Lord. The reality of who he is takes on a whole new perspective. Think of it like this, our leader, okay? I know for Americans, the term Lord is is kind of weird. We don't use that. It's it's not like a it's not like we have lords and ladies running around here and people of nobility that you know, but when we say Lord, what we're talking about is our leader. I, I surrendered to be a follower of one who I am 
leaning on to lead and to guide me. And that's what it means to make him your Lord. Now, I'm not doing something that I know is going to uh, be contrary to the value uh, values of heaven for my life or my lifestyle. Uh, I am going to surrender to let myself be led. And that's what it really means to make him your Lord. I mean, he already is our Savior. He already is our Lord. His identity doesn't change no matter what lies we think or what we believe. He is who he is, and he knows who you are. But to find the purpose for this life, we must come to this place of seeing Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. That involves a shift in perspective, and that's actually what it means to repent. To change the way we think means to shift our perspective. You might have thought of Jesus as just a good teacher. You might have thought of Jesus as uh, just a man about whom uh, history books were written. You might have thought about him as just a prophet among other prophets in the world. But when you begin to know him as the risen Lord, the risen Savior, the resurrected Christ, the Messiah, uh, Adonai, Yahweh, uh, uh, the, the, the one whom, uh, upon whom uh, all things exist and in whom all things exist, who holds everything together by the power of his word, you begin to recognize that he is not just my maker, my creator, but the one who is the word made flesh dwelt among us, the vicarious man on behalf of all of humanity who represents humanity within the context of the Trinitarian relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a family in heaven, and one of those is eternally a man who represents every single one of us before God the Father, to reveal to us the heart and the nature of the Father, and to fill us up with his Holy Spirit. So we find ourselves in this beautiful place of being called his children. I know I've lost some of you in the past two minutes. You're just like, wait a minute, I can't wrap my head around everything you're saying. He's, he's creating family, calls us sons and daughters. That's why Jesus is called the firstborn of many brethren. So we've received the spirit of adoption. So we're chosen by God. Ephesians 1.4, God chose you to be in Christ or in him from before the foundation of the world. And so we're chosen by God, but we're also born into this by blood because of the cross. He's given us a divine blood transfusion. That's how the sin issue is dealt with. And so when he adopts us and he chooses us and he bleeds us on the cross into oneness with Christ, with the with God, with in, in that place of reconciled rest and union, you can tell I get ramped up when I talk about this stuff. There's so many different ways we can just mystically unpack and un, unravel these, these ideas, but it's a mystery. It's such a mystery. You say, I don't understand how God can be fully man and fully God at the same time, 100% man, 100% God, and yet he is. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternally distinct in three persons, but never divided, so he's always one. God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit are all represented, in Colossians 2, 9 tells us, in Christ. In Christ, it says, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in that body. 
And, and here's the reality of it. God's chosen to take up residence. We say take up residence like he's moving in. Yes, he's chosen to live in you, making you the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, making you the ark of the new covenant. I preach this stuff almost every day somewhere in the world. And, and I just watch people's eyes. They either open wide or they glaze over. Can't understand, but, but understand, your spirit can 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 understand things that your mind can't wrap itself around yet, right? If this is a mystery to you, hey, join the club. It's a mystery to me too. And Paul told us it was a mystery. In Colossians chapter 1, he says that the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that phrase, hope of glory, is the joyful expectation of the manifestation of the goodness of God. It's what the glory of God is, the manifestation of his goodness. When we see his glory, we behold his goodness. Moses said to God, show me your glory. And God said, okay, I'm going to make all my goodness to pass before you. So the glory of God is the goodness of God on display. And you and I are are meant to embrace the reality of this mystery. You don't have to understand it. Just embrace it. Just say yes to it. That's the entirety of the gospel. None of us embrace this because we understand it. If you understand it, then you've heard it. <laughs> you, then you've heard an inferior gospel. Like you, you might have heard, well, Jesus died for my sins. So if I pray this prayer, then I can go to heaven when I die. And maybe, and listen, understand, I, I think that totally takes. That's great. And if you do that and you did that and you believe that and you rest in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, however you came to believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, that's fantastic. But understand, when when you really unwrap the mystery, it has less to do with what you did and has everything to do with just simply you accepting what Jesus did or you believing in what Jesus did or you just simply trusting. That's faith. Faith is trust, right? Trusting wholeheartedly in what Jesus did. So somebody walks up to you on the street and says, hey, uh, 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 you know, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And how do you know? This is my answer. Jesus, because I trust in Jesus, because I trust that Jesus is, is my savior. So here's the deal though, beyond just being savior, because that, that pretty much for most of us says, okay, well that shores up the afterlife, but he's here for your whole life. So we want to make him Lord too. We don't make him Lord. We receive him as Lord. In other words, we believe that he didn't just save us, but we surrender our lives to be led by him, to be led by his spirit. And this is so important because this is, I think, part of the, the way that we discover the, the purpose that he's created us for. He hasn't created us just simply so that we can be free to go and do what we want. He's created us with a freedom from the bondage of sin so that we can live in union with a holy God and surrender in, I would say, obedience to his voice. And that place of surrendered obedience to the voice of the Lord, he leads us and he guides us. And isn't it amazing what it's like to be led and guided by the Lord. For those of you who lived your life this way, it's not that every day that you know God tells you, you know, what clothes to wear and what toothpaste to use and all those different things. 
you know, if you want him to be a part of every detail of your life, I'm sure he's happy to do it. But the, but the reality is, is, is we live surrendered to the guidance of his Holy Spirit every single moment of every day. And if your entire life is lived just to hear one word from the Lord and to shift your perspective in one direction, it's worth it. But the fact is he wants to talk to you more than you and I want to listen. So every day can be filled with divine appointments and moments where where he invites you into an adventurous relationship uh, where, where he... You know, it's, it's kind of like having a friend that has amazing ideas about what to do throughout the day, right? And so you can take the Lord to work with you. You take the Lord into vacation moments. And and, I mean, just, and and so he has all these ideas about what he wants to do throughout the day. And it may involve uh, you finding yourself in a conversation with somebody whose heart is in a place of you know, like, like fruit gets ripe, like they're ripe right now to hear about the gospel, to hear about Jesus. And you suddenly begin to talk to them about Jesus, to introduce them to Jesus, to invite them into a place of prayer. And, you know, somebody says, well, I've never prayed with somebody in public before. You know, prayer is just communion with God. It's just introducing him into the conversation. You know, if you're, if you're sitting there with your wife and you walk up to somebody and say, can I tell you about my wife? You know, if the person can see them sitting right there, they would say, well, let me just talk to her. I'm mean, like, I, let me just, I'll just introduce myself to her and she can tell me about herself. Well, that's true. But the reality is most of us don't live aware of the conscious presence of Christ in and with us all the time. So most people, when they meet you, they can't see Jesus standing with you. They can't see Christ, the power of, and the love and the grace and the goodness of Christ in you until you open your mouth and begin to speak. And then they begin to hear something, something different. It's like, I want whatever you have, I want. Well, what is that? It's a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship isn't just Jesus as Savior, it's Jesus as Lord. It's the Lordship of Christ. It's his leading, it's his guiding, it's your awareness of his presence upon your life. So why is this person at so much peace when there's so much turmoil in the world? Because they have somebody that they're following, a voice of God, that they're following, that Jesus is the word made flesh, dwelt among us. And Jesus said, the spirit that's with you will be within you. It doesn't mean that you hear voices. It means that you get impressions and things that sound in a sense and feel like your own imagination. Often the voice of God will sound a lot like you. And, and, uh, but, but you know, there's wisdom behind it. You know, there's, there's a challenge behind it. And often you're convicted when you're doing something that is wrong because there are things in the world that are just wrong that bring pain and hurt into your life and the life of somebody else. And so you know that this is not God's best for me. And so you know you're hearing from the voice of the Lord when you hear the good shepherd direct your steps and say you're not going in a good way. You're going in a destructive way. And then he directs our steps. And listen, sometimes we're so rebellious and stiff-necked, we don't want to be corrected. And so we push against that. Then we find ourselves falling flat on our face. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He picks us up and we continue to move on. And so, But here's the thing. We can avoid a lot of pain in life if we will let Jesus as Lord correct our path, direct our steps, 
and move in a different direction, a different life, a different lifestyle that we're moving right now. You know, uh, if if you're addicted to substances, if you're if you're in a relationship that's not honoring to God, if you're in a in a place in your life where you realize, man, I'm I have got to I've got to make a change here. What's happening? God is speaking to your heart. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let the Holy Spirit convince you to shift direction. What is He doing that for? He's trying to kill your fun? No, He's trying to preserve your life. He's trying to preserve your life from destruction. Bible talks about the Lord doing this. He redeems our life from destruction, crowning us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfying our mouth with good things and renewing our youth like the eagles. You know what? Sin ages us. It makes us grow old. It makes us get get bitter and angry in our mindset. And it causes us to actually turn away from God, to become even bitter at God. Why'd you let this happen to me? And God's saying, look, I tried to turn you away, but you wouldn't hear my voice. You wouldn't listen to my words. And and consequently, you drove yourself into this ditch in your life. And listen, when we find ourselves doing that, we have a couple of different responses typically. When we tank our own life, we can either feel, let that sin cause us to feel unworthy to ever approach God again, thinking he's going to be so disappointed with us that he wants nothing to do with us. Or we can, like the prodigal son in the story that Jesus told, say, I'm going home to my father. And sin will warp your perspective of your own identity. But when we go home to the heart of the father, what does he do? He restores the standard. He restores our identity. He brings us back to who he knows we've always been. Listen, if you've heard me teach over the years, you've heard me say these things a hundred times. But I feel like it's something so important. Some of you are hearing this for the very first time today. And you need to know that Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus died for you. But Jesus, more important than that, rose from the dead, not just for you, but as you. And invites you to step into newness of life by surrendering your life to let him be. He already is your savior, okay? Understand, he's the savior of the world. The Bible says he's the savior of the world, especially the those who believe, all right? But here's the deal. He invites you today to say, let me be not just your savior, but be your Lord to guide you by my Holy Spirit. And and in this place of saying, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I receive, accept, and believe in you. And I surrender to listen to your voice. You know what? That is what makes you a disciple. And that's what Christ has called us to be, to be disciples. Disciples are those who live in surrendered obedience to the voice of the Lord. There's a lot of people out there who've prayed a prayer, maybe called the sinner's prayer, whatever prayer you prayed to receive Jesus in your life, prayed a prayer and got the assurance of salvation that brought peace into your heart that you know where you're going when you die. But maybe you never have let him be the Lord of your life. So even after you accepted him, you went off and lived for yourself and did your own thing. And then wonder why he isn't coming in and fixing your life. The reality is, unless we live in surrendered obedience to the voice of the Lord, we'll never truly discover why we are alive. He didn't just create you 
to then let you go lost so that he could save you. He created you to live in relationship with him, co-laboring with him, working together with him. Listen, he wants to be the best friend you've ever known. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so today, if in this moment you say, I, yeah, I, I see him as savior, but I've never actually made him the Lord of my life. Then I invite you to pray with me right now and just say, Jesus, I surrender to your word to guide, direct my life, my path. I surrender to your presence and your Holy Spirit to guide, direct my life, my path. And there's things in my life that need to be changed. Lord, I surrender to say, yes, I'm going to change those things. I'm going to turn from wicked ways. I'm going to turn from sinful lifestyles. I'm going to turn from anything that would bring destruction into my life to go the way you are guiding me to go. I surrender to follow your voice. So teach me to hear your voice. Teach me how to hear you and and give me the strength to respond to your voice in moments when your voice tells me to do something that may seem hard. And God, let my life be a living invitation for people to come to know you, to know the love, the joy, the peace, the righteousness of the kingdom of God. I surrender to you, King Jesus, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Listen, amen may be the end of this prayer, but it's not the end of the prayer of your life. Your life is a prayer unto God. And I pray that that this begins a relationship that will last for all of eternity. If you want to write to us, you can write to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Want to support the broadcast? You go to VanderbushMinistries.com, click the Give button. And uh, thank you so many of you have just been supporting us lately. And we are so grateful it makes it possible for us to do the Lord's called us to do. This is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.